Hey, thanks so much for joining us on our channel today. We wanna to encourage you to subscribe and like today's video. Also, today's word is brought to you by our Truth Partners. These are people who want to financially invest to help us get this message of truth to around the nation and around the world. You can become a Truth Partner today by simply going to creativechurch.com slash give. Again, thank you for partnering with us on this message of truth, and thank you for liking and subscribing to today's video. God bless you. I pray this sermon blesses your life. But, uh, how many of you are ready to get into God's Word today? You excited about God's Word? Come on. Oh, we love the Bible, love Scripture. Uh, we want to share a message with you called, How to Turn Up the Heat. How to Turn Up the Heat. And um, it's on a topic that is going to be a lot of fun. Today, the message is on the topic of sex. Now, some of you are nervous. Some of you just leaned in forward for the very first time in church. So parents, this uh, is your chance yeah. to maybe take advantage of the kids' areas. Absolutely. If you need to now. Uh, I can assure you no one is more nervous than Kayla during this message, wondering what sure. I'm going to say. But here's the reality. Um, it's, most of us consider this to be an odd place to talk about sex. You know, and it, it's just because we, the, the reality is we just don't see the words God and sex being the same sentence. But the truth is that, um, that God is very involved in this part of your life because he created this part of your life. Listen, just because you turn the lights off don't mean God can't see. He understands what's happening, and he knows more about it than we know about it. And I think it's important for us to talk about it because um, latest studies show 30% of, uh, of all advertising is to a sexual appeal. Um, the top Google searches are always sex-related. And um, the average person has 10 to 15 thoughts a day about sex. So the reality is we're talking about sex everywhere except for in the church. And so I yeah. think it's important for us to step into this and to go to God's word to see what he has to say because he's the one that actually did come up with the concept. Now, for, for many of us, the reality is where our views on sex began they began at, in our childhood at our homes. And how your home handled this topic determines so much of how you see this topic. Um, the, and, and really, they're kind of on like two extremes. There's the silent home where sex was almost seen as something that we do not talk about, we never bring up, it's inappropriate, and maybe it even left you with a sense of shame to even think about it. Right. Now, the reality is you still had to learn about it, so you probably learned from television or the Internet because you grew up in a silent home. The other end of the spectrum is a saturated home. This is a place where sex was openly discussed, but in an unhealthy way. Lewd jokes, uh, maybe you were allowed to watch explicit content, maybe you were even encouraged or it was assumed you'd be active sexually early. Um, the reality is both of these are opposite ends of the spectrum, yet they both can damage in equal ways. We don't want silent homes and saturated homes. What we want are scriptural homes. Because sex is not something we discovered, it's something God designed. Yeah, it's not good. something he avoids, it's actually something he authored. So much so that the very first chapter in the whole Bible includes the dawning of sex. And here's just what I want you to think of it as, how is it that you can give your life to God, but it not include your sex life? The reality is this is a part of who you are, therefore it's a part of what he cares about. Now, Genesis chapter 1, starting with verse 27, gives us uh, the very beginnings of uh, our views on sex. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. 
in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. So here's what this says. God created the heavens and the earth, then he created Adam and he created Eve. And then he went to Adam and Eve and he created sex and he gave it to them as a gift to bless them. And as the result is found in verse 31, it says, God saw that all that he had made and it was very good. So according to scripture, God says sex is good and should be good. Listen, I bet your Sunday school teacher never taught you that. (laughs) So here's the reality. If we are in a marriage and sex is a part of that marriage, we need to go to the source of how to keep our marriage in a place of intimacy and passion. So listen, if we want to know how to turn up the heat, we need to go to the one who created the heat in the first place, which is God. And so that's what we want to do today, is we want to help give you a scriptural view on sex when it comes to marriage. And I think the best place to learn how to turn up the heat, aside from the Bible, is an example that we've got kind of set out here today. Um, How many people, like, like your favorite season is the fall? Like you love the fall Right, I mean, we're talking about you know sweatshirts and crisp air. Uh, Minnesota is beautiful in the fall. The leaves change, and and um, you know there's everything that's good about it. I mean, you get every pumpkin spice, everything like lattes, soap, toilet paper, pumpkin spice, <laughs> all of it. Right. Well, listen, one of the best parts about the fall is fire pits. You get to, to sit outside with people you love and experience the warmth and hear the crackling. Maybe even make some s'mores. Well, a fire pit. Um, is, is a great example to how you want to first begin to understand God's views on sex. There's two things that are required if you're going to have a great fire and a fire pit. The number one thing is boundaries. The second thing is you've got to know how to build a fire. So those are the two things that you need, boundaries, and then you need to know how to build a fire. For example, when it comes to boundaries, um, this fire pit creates a safe place for us to enjoy the flame. I mean, you, you build a fire in this, and it is a blessing to two people who are enjoying it. If you took that same fire and put it, say, on the deck, and it had no boundaries, it would not be a blessing. It would cause great damage to your home. Well, God created a fire pit for sex, and it's called marriage. His boundaries for sex are marriage. And as a matter of fact, Scripture shows again and again in the Old Testament and in the New Testament what his boundaries looks like, and here it is, it's real simple, it's one husband, one wife, completely committed to each other in physical intimacy, emotional intimacy, and spiritual intimacy. That is God's boundaries for sex. And here's what he plainly says, anything in that boundary will be blessed, anything outside of that boundary can burn you up. Okay? Now, now let me say this, I know in the culture we live, some of you even in this room, you're thinking, Pastor, I mean, that's kind of antiquated. This, that, that's pretty restrictive. I mean, we're living in 2023, not way back in the Garden of Eden. I mean, th- there's, a, there's a new thought when it comes to sexuality. So, so let me just say to you, though, that just because we have new thoughts on sexuality doesn't change the truth of God's Word. And, and here's the reality. Imagine that I come to your home and, and, and you've, you've made a great meal for us. And then you say, hey, let's take and, and build a fire. Let's set together around a fire. And I said, okay, great. I'll make the fire. And so I go out. I bring in the wood. I bring in the kindling. And I come back to your living room. And I start a fire right there on your carpet. Imagine that. And you come to me and you go, what are you doing? You're going to burn this place down. How would you feel if I looked at you and went, that's just so restrictive. 
I mean, I mean this, this, you're, you're just trying to put a lock on my desires. I mean, this is the way God created me, and, and this is my fire. It's not your fire. I mean, I, you've got your own fire. I've got my fire. And you say, no, I don't care whose fire. You're about to burn this place down. That's the reality of what we're talking about here. Yeah. Listen to me. We're burning this place down with the way we look at sex. Good. Our culture is sick because of their views on sex. We have whole industries that get rid of children who were unplanned because of the way that we live outside of God's boundaries. We have diseases that are being created and mutated constantly, spreading at rapid rates because we keep building fires outside of God's bounds. L- listen, it's every day on the news we see another assault or abuse tied to sexuality because we keep building stuff outside of God's bounds. And, and, and even if none of that's true for your life directly, here's what I know. Nearly every person in this room has a bad memory, an emotional scar, a broken relationship because sexually you chose to build something outside of God's bounds. Listen, yeah. God is not a prude. He's a protective father. And even when we don't understand why he puts boundaries up, it's not without his reasoning. Anything in here have fun. Anything out of here, it's off limits because I love you and I'm choosing to protect you. Okay? Now, here's the other thing about a fire. It's not just the boundaries of it that that cause it to be successful or enjoyable. Um, It's how you build it. You know, the reality is is that you you can't just come in here and throw a bunch of stuff and, you know, all of a sudden just go, okay, well, let's have a fire. Anybody that knows anything about building a fire would tell you that's just going to smolder. It's going to cause a lot of smoke. It's going to get everybody's eyes, nose, but there's not going to be any fire. Because to build a fire, you have to build it the right way. Now, the, the reason I bring that up is because some, there's a common thought in marriage that says, you know, we're just going to jump into marriage and we're going to have all the sex we want. And it's going to be great. and There's not going to be any problems. And anybody that's been married for any amount of time knows, yeah, that's not true. You have to build something that lasts. There's proper ways to stack attitudes and appetites. There's proper ways to stack actions that actually build. And, and what happens often is when we get into a place where we just threw ourselves into marriage, and, and then all of a sudden we start to feel some sexual dysfunction, you know what our answer is? Lighter fluid. We just go, listen, let's just put some porn on it. Hey, I just want to take a moment and let you know that today's sermon is brought to you by our Truth Partners. If you're interested in being a Truth Partner, simply go to creativechurch.com slash give and select Truth Partners today. Again, please subscribe and like today's video. It's blessing you. It's blessing your family. And hey, let's get back to the Word. Let's just get somebody else involved. Yeah. Let's just start finding our needs in other places. You know what this kind of stuff does? Giant flame that doesn't last. And before it's all said and done, you've poured so much on, the bottle's empty, your eyebrows are gone, and you're still not satisfied. Listen, sex has to be built on God's understanding and standards. And so much of our culture today, for every single one of us, sex has been built on so many other godless voices. What we need to do today is we need to come in and go, you know what, there's a proper way to build a fire. And it requires that we actually go to God's word and we put things in order based on the way that he would put them in order and that we don't use false ideas or false lies, but instead we build something that can last and bring enjoyment to everybody involved. So that's what we want to do today is we want to give you four um, scriptural ideas or understandings 
that actually can help you build a lasting, passionate, intimate relationship in the context of marriage, okay? So here's the very first one. very first one I want to give you. Maybe you want to write these down. Um, Anchor your expectations in reality. That's the very first thing you do. Okay, so today we are filled with ideas about sex, but they're godless ideas. Therefore, they impair how we see or expect sexually things to occur. I, it wasn't that long ago I was in a, a grocery store, and you know, when you're sitting there waiting to check out, you're reading all those magazines that are right there beside you. And I remember seeing one of them, it had kind of like a headline, and it said, um, drive your partner crazy with these 50 kinky positions. Okay? Now, when you see something like that, here's what you start thinking. What, if, what is it that I don't know? Like, like, what is it that's missing? Other people are having fun that, we're, that I'm not having. Maybe, maybe Kayla's the problem because, I mean, I... I, you know, maybe, maybe we should know. It starts to make you doubt because it's reframing your expectations. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so let me just say it this way to you. Um, those, first of all, you don't need no 50 positions. Five is plenty. Okay, so <laughs> let me just say that. Okay. Oh, man. Number two. <laughs> this is probably the last time I preach here, so let's enjoy Ooh. it. Okay. Um, number two. That's not real. You know what that is? That's not a group of people who said, let's help build a better relationship. That's a group of people who said, let's sell a fantasy That's right. that leaves people unsatisfied so they'll have to come back and buy again and buy again right. and buy again. That's a business model, not a relationship model. Yeah. And I think that's important for us to recognize because, because listen, The Bible doesn't just speak against fornication. The Bible also speaks against fantasy. Let me show it to you. Colossians 3, 5 and 8. And that means, this means as a believer, killing off everything connected with that way of death. What's that way of death? Sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it, grabbing whatever attracts your fancy, That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. Okay, here's what Paul's saying. The most important sexual organ you have is your brain. brain. And the way you frame your expectations matters immensely to how you are able to have health within a sexual relationship. Let let me just say this, that if you build your expectations off of fantasy, there are going to be two outcomes. Here's the first one. You're never going to enjoy your spouse. There are two industries that are related to sex. One is pornography, and the other is erotic uh, novels. Pornography is overwhelmingly used by men. Erotic literature is overwhelmingly used by women. And they are consistently feeding us with expectations that we then impose upon our spouses. If you watch pornography, here's what you believe about your spouse. You believe... That as a man, your expectation becomes that she is a feelingless object with a high sex drive that I can use anytime I want. And if you fill your mind with erotic literature, here's what you believe about him that he is endlessly romantic, highly verbal, an ever present therapist with a six pack. (laughs) That's what you believe. 
And I think we can all agree those two expectations placed upon your spouse are a guaranteed way to ruin a marriage. Can I tell let me say it this way. I want to tell you what a real sexy woman looks like. And Not like I'll, a And then I'll tell them what a sexy man looks okay. like. Okay. So a real sexy woman in real life, here's what she is. She is someone who laughs with you, someone who cooks your favorite meal just because, someone who prays for you every single day, someone who encourages you and believes in you on your worst day, someone who comes in and finds the thing that's right in front of your face that you can't see. That's a real sexy woman. That's real. That's not fantasy, okay? Tell them what a real sexy man is. A real sexy man in real life is one who has a job. Amen, ladies? One who can do laundry, clean the house, make the beds, help with the kids. Lead spiritually. Lead spiritually. Pray with you. Change a diaper. Change a diaper. What else? Ask about your day. Tells you how beautiful you are. That is a real sexy man. That's what real life sexy looks like. Now listen to me. It's important right out of the gate that we understand this. Here's what scripture says. God's not just calling us to physical monogamy. That's right. He's also calling us to mental monogamy. Yeah. Okay? Our minds matter mm-hmm. when it comes to our relationships because an unhealthy expectation always leads to an unfulfilled relationship. Okay? Now, here's the other thing that's going to happen. If you do not, um, if your expectation is not set in Scripture, you're also never going to receive God's best. God authored sex, and immediately the enemy tried to plagiarize it. Which is why in our culture, here's what culture believes. God's against sex. He's a prude, and he thinks it shouldn't happen. That couldn't be further from the truth. There was a study done by, uh, it's called Sex in America by uh, Grand Central America. They did a study. Do you know who the most sexually fulfilled people on the planet are? People in a Christian marriage. They have more sex and more fulfilling sex than any other people group on the planet. You know why? Because God, it was God's idea to create sex. Think about it this way. The first two people God created, he created them naked. And he put them in a place called Eden. You know what Eden means? Pleasure. So God's first idea was, let's put two people who are married naked together in a place called pleasure and let them have fun. God's not against sex. God just knows how it works. And when we choose to let the lies of fantasy build our expectations, we're signing up to be lied to and unfulfilled. But when we allow our Heavenly Father to have access to this part of our life, you are signing up for a lifetime of fulfilling, enjoyable, and a sexual relationship that lasts with your partner. Your expectations are huge to this. Here's the second point. take the second point. Uh, The second point is this, that you have to adopt Adopt clear communication. You you want to go? Yeah, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but men and women are very different. One author puts it this way. He said, men only care about the destination, but women want to enjoy the journey. Men respond to what they see. Women respond to what they hear. Men are like microwaves. Women are like crockpots. 
Without communication, though, most couples are doomed by their differences. The truth is every couple has an elephant in their relationship, something that needs to be addressed, but we avoid talking about that because we avoid taking the time. And there was a study done by NurturingMarriage.org's research says the average married couple only spends four minutes alone every day. Wow. Four minutes alone. Listen, the first fire pit that Joe and I had took a lot more work and a lot more time. Because So we, we bought it. We had to carry it to the backyard. We had to go buy the firewood, place the firewood, place it right, do the kindling, put in the work. And then we had to work at getting the fire started. Well, now we have a fire pit that just has a click, and there the flame is, right? But I have bad news today because our marriages aren't created with a switch. That's right. It requires work. It requires to have that deeper connection. We have to take the time to hear one another. We have to take the time to laugh together. We have to take the time to vent to one another as well and communicate in those ways. The physical act of sex alone isn't enough to sustain your marriage. So good. Because intimacy includes intellectual connection. It includes emotional connection. It includes spiritual connection and so much more, which is why you might be having sex, but you might feel relationally disconnected because you're executing the physical act, but you're missing the relational connection. Yeah. Another thing is why we don't talk about it is we're simply just uncomfortable talking about sex. Most people are not comfortable because, and it leads us in a place where we either keep secrets, we're either keeping secrets from each other, and, or we're, we're stunting our growth in our marriage. And for years, Joe and I struggled to communicate in this area about sex because we grew up in Christian homes, we grew up in Christian communities. For a long time, the only thing that we ever heard about sex or was taught about sex was, don't avoid it, it's a sin, run from it, it's bad. And that's all we were ever taught. But one day, um, and I really struggled with this in my marriage, I I struggled with that sudden shift in that mindset, that one day, just because we said I do, means all of that what we were taught became obsolete. Right. And... um, Parents, that's, that's why you shouldn't teach your kids no to sex. You should teach them instead, wait for sex. That's good. And there's a big difference between that. It's not, no, this is bad. It's, no, it's great within the boundaries of marriage and in God's timing. Mm. And one day, for me, what, ha- what happened was I was having a conversation with one of, a woman that I really look up to, one of my mentors, and... She started talking about sex and how important it was within the bounds of marriage. And it kind of gave me a mindset shift. And I thought, okay, somebody that I really look up to is actually talking about this. And it allowed me to communicate with Joe. And we started establishing a communication about our sexuality. And it established trust between our marriage and in our marriage. And it caused us to not only, um, it got us out of the rut of that we were in. And uh, eventually, we, instead of opponents, we became partners in yeah. the communication. See, one of the most powerful things you can do as a married couple is uh, turn on the lights, turn on some music, light a candle. But instead of having sex, put your phones away, set face-to-face, and have an open and honest commu- conversation. Right. Many couples today are in a rut when it comes to their intimacy because they're not openly communicating with one another. 
Now, you're going to have to say, what can I do better for you? What, what is it you need from me? And you have to be um, willing to let them answer, which puts yourself out there in a vulnerable state. Yeah. But on the other side of that uncomfortable feeling is a new intimacy for your relationship. I remember the time that I had to sit down with Kayla, look her in the eyes and say, I'm not just a piece of meat. <laughs> I have feelings too, and sometimes I just want to cuddle, you know. I remember, and that conversation led us to a new intimacy in our relationship. <laughs> Let me give you number three. Um, you have to assume a servant spirit. Okay, here's why. Everything presented to us in this culture says this. Sex is all about you. It's what you want, when right. you want it, how you want it, from who you want it. Right. I mean, think about it. Most of the pornography that's shared in America today is so specific. You can Google the color hair. You can Google the color eyes, the type of person. Listen, we're ordering our sexual appetite like we're ordering pizza. And there's a problem with that because we are made in the image of God. That's right. Every single person. And that means that people are not products to consume. They're people to love. Yes. And at the core of it, here's what it is. It's a selfishness that says, it's about me, what I want, when I want it, how I want it. That's what this is about. And selfishness is a guaranteed way to kill any relationship because, by definition, a relationship is two people sharing something for the benefit of both. Selfishness comes in and says, this is no longer about two. It's only about one. It's a guaranteed way to kill any relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason that um, 1 Corinthians 7, verses 3 and 5 says, the marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife, the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve each other, whether in bed or not in bed. So when two people wake up each day with the mindset of trying to please one another and what do they need, then that's when your marriage will flourish. And, and we've got like three things that, I mean, we don't get this right every day, but there are three things we shoot to do every day that actually serve our, the, the spouse. Why, why don't you share a couple of those? Yeah, the first, the first thing, and you, you, you may have disconnected this in your mind somewhere that it doesn't apply to marriage, but putting God first every day is the most important thing that you can do for your marriage and for yourself. Because we all have deficits, we all have voids in our life, married or not, that... Only God can fill. Yeah. Only God can give us the affirmation, women, that we need. Your husband can tell you all of the things all day, but it's not going to fill that, that void in your heart until you allow God to fill that void. I mean, and, you, and you spend time with him in, in, in your, his word, you're going to be a more complete whole person. So when I spend time with God and I let him fill those places in my life, I'm not only serving God, and I'm, I'm not only doing that for myself, but I'm serving my spouse as well. Because we all have deficiencies, as you said. And when we show up to God, we allow God to take what I'm not and what Kayla needs. And he's able to put that in us. Right. That allow, He turns me into the husband she needs. He turns her into the wife I need. Right. So showing up to God first every morning allows him to make you into the spouse your spouse needs. Right. And it's the number one way you can serve them. Uh, what's the next one, buddy? Pursue your spouse every day. So when we pursue our spouse, we are leaving our world, our selfishness, like Joe just talked about, because selfishness is destructive to not only our marriage, to ourselves. But when we, we enter their world, so flowers, a sweet text, a pre-planned moment um, that you can share, I'll communicate, I'm interested in you and, and, uh, and about us and our marriage. And I think that's so important because for many people, the only time we want to be romantic is when we're together and there's an immediate payoff. If the only time I'm romantic with you 
is when we're together and there's an immediate payoff, here's what it says. I don't think about you when we're not together. Yeah. On the other hand, though, romance, sweet texts, flowers, nudges, those kind of things say, I'm thinking about you even though we're not together at this moment. And ultimately, here's what every person's asking in every relationship. Do you still care? Every relationship, every day, your spouse is waking up saying, do you still care? And those kind of things help show them, yes, I still care. Here's the last one. You put God first every day, pursue your spouse every day. I think this one's huge. Practically help your spouse every day. Here's how romance is spelled, H-E-L-P. Okay? And this was a game changer for us because we have five children, a church to pastor. There's a lot going on. Um, Guys, stress kills the sex drive. Someone who's stressed out is not open to being together sexually. So if you can show up and help, you become very sexy to that person. <laughs> Listen, we, we don't have five kids because I'm good looking. <laughs> we have five kids because I can load the dishwasher. I can fold some clothes and I can sweep the floor. After she's been home with the kids and, and I come in and begin to serve her, I become more attractive to her. But it's deeper than that. Listen to this. Jesus showed up as a servant and he changed the world. When you show up in your home as a servant, it changes the atmosphere of your home. It's incredibly powerful, something that we should all maintain in our marriages. So we have to be intentional with stepping past our selfishness, stepping past our feelings, and choosing to be intentional. Here's the last one, and I want to, in this last one, here's what I want to accomplish. I want you to see sex on the level God sees sex. Mm. And so the last one is this, aim for intimacy. Aim for intimacy. Let me ask you a question. Why did God create sex? Now, obviously, procreation. Uh, I think another answer would easily be pleasure. But at the core, do you think that's the only reason he created it? Because, I mean, he could have had storks delivering babies. I mean, we didn't have to have. (laughs) The third answer to why did God create sex is to provide a way for intimacy. Okay, now listen to me. Um, Intimacy, sex has a deeper expression than our culture understands. Our culture only looks at sex on the surface level. That's why they say it doesn't matter. Do whatever you want. It's only for pleasure. It's only for procreation. But when God made sex, he said there's a deeper level to it. You can read about that in Hebrews 13, 4. I want you to see this. Honor marriage and guard the sacredness. And guard the sexual intimacy between a husband and wife. Listen to me. Deep inside of you, you don't have a desire to have sex. You have a desire for intimacy. It's good. Intimacy means um, an inner closeness. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason that maybe even some of you or, or someone you know has had a lot of physical interactions, but there's still something on the inside they're longing for. Right. It's because there's more to sex than just the physical interaction. God made it to where it, it expounds or lets us experience on something called intimacy. Let me say it this way. There's a God factor to sex. Scripture says it's the one thing that opens you physically and on a soul level and spiritually. There's a God factor when we we, uh, keep sex in the bounds that God's given it to us. I remember uh, some months ago I was with a couple who um, they were getting married. They were both middle-aged. They'd been living together. They'd been sexually active. I was doing their premarital counseling, and um, towards the end of it, the wife said, or the, the soon-to-be wife said to me, Pastor, I just got to be honest with you. I got, we, 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 you know, we've been living together. We, we've had sex, but I've got this question. We're getting married in three weeks. 
Would it even matter to God if we don't have sex for the th- next three weeks? Would it even matter? Does that, does that thing even matter? And her husband, I remember him looking at me almost like in a silent way saying, come on, man, be my bro. You know, like, like don't leave me hanging. That's what I kind of felt like was that. And I said, yeah, it matters. Absolutely. Obedience matters because it always brings blessing. Yes. Always. Whether it was three years from now, over 30 years, or just three weeks, doing things God's way allows God to open his hand of blessing on this. And I just said, listen, to me, three weeks God's way is a small price to pay to get God's blessing on a fresh marriage. So a few few months after their marriage, I saw them in the lobby and talked to them, and they just were glowing. You could tell they were in love. I said, guys, how's it going? They said, incredible. I mean, it just, it's just everything we hope for. And, and, and she even said, and pastor, we made it that three weeks. We're living in God's <laughs> blessing. You know, but, but here's, here's what they discovered. They discovered the theological term called covenant. Covenant is maybe a word you've heard before. It's a theological term, and what it means is it means a spiritual connection or commitment that is unbreakable. Um, A covenant is what God made to the Jewish people through Abraham. He came to Abraham and said, Abram, um, I'm going to be your God and your people are going to be my people. And no matter what they do, I'm going to remain their God and I'm going to show the world what it looks like for a God to have a people and a people to have a God. And and so what we find is is that that they made a covenant. Uh, They had a ceremony. I want you to see the ceremony, Genesis uh, 15, 17. It said, when the sun had passed and darkness had fallen... A smoking fire pot, there's that fire pit again, with a blazing torch appeared and it passed between Abraham's sacrifices. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant to Abraham. Listen to me. God made a commitment and said, I'll be your God no matter what you do. The Old Testament is the story of God being faithful to that covenant even when we're not faithful. The New Testament is the story of God saying, you can't be faithful the way I can be faithful, so I'll give you my son Jesus, and he'll come in and take so your good. heart that's, a, that's away from me, and I'll have him change your heart so that you can remain in this covenant. Praise God. Co- what God was saying is, when you make a covenant, I'll pass through it and bring a God factor to this relationship. Now listen to me. God's way of sex offer something the world doesn't have and it's intimacy based in a covenant when you have sex with your spouse God passes through that relationship and that's the reason all of a sudden things we were arguing about begin to fade and we can find the capacity to forgive it's why we find peace where there's been turmoil it's where we find closeness where there's been distance it's because God passes through that relationship all studies show that when you have sex with your spouse Physically, chemicals are released that bond you together. Mentally, distractions go away and you're able to concentrate on one another. Emotionally, you are able to connect and communicate in a way that you were not before. And spiritually, God renews your covenant. So listen to me. This is so important. In our thinking, sex is a reward for good behavior. In God's thinking, sex is a tool to renew our commitment to one another. One is we have to get everything right to receive it. God's way is we use it as a tool to keep us close when the world's trying to pull us apart. It's a powerful way to invite God into your marriage and renew the covenant that says, I remember those vows we made. And though we haven't been agreeing, we want God to pass through this relationship and bind us together again. By the way, you're used to taking and using a tool like that before. That's exactly what communion is. When you take communion, 
you are reminding yourself of the covenant that you and God share, and it renews your faith again. When a married couple has sex, it renews their faith again in the covenant and commitment God made. Now, here's how I want to finish up today. I want you to stand to your feet. There's probably four different people in this room, and then I'm going to pray for you. Here's the first person. You're here, and you're living outside of God's bounds. God doesn't define how you live sexually. And today, it's time for you to get back in God's bounds. Be someone who doesn't just submit part of your life to God, but your whole life to God, including your sexuality. Second person to hear is a couple that, honestly, um, your relationship's kind of dampered. Flames aren't as high as they once were, the busyness of life and all those things. I'm going to tell you, it's not schedules, though. It's, it's communication. You need to turn off the lights, light a candle, and you need to have a conversation and reconnect emotionally with your spouse. Third group of people are that you think this day's over. Could be because of hurt or pain or, or seasons, but you just, sex is not a part. We're, we're more roommates than we are. It's time for you to renew that covenant. Listen, sex is not something we do just because we feel like it. Sex is a tool God gave us to have him pass through this relationship again. I even got you a verse, uh, if that happens to be you. This is the best altar call you'll ever be given at church. James 1.22, do not deceive yourselves by just listening, but put it into practice. That's the altar call today for you. And the last person that I feel like is here today is there's somebody here who you've been burned bad. Could have been abuse, an unguarded appetite, an action towards you that you didn't want, or a way of living that brought you a lot of pain. Most people never experience the blessing of God's sexuality because they live with their brokenness in their own sexuality. Here's what I want to tell you today if that's you. God doesn't just heal bodies. He heals memories. Yes. He heals marriages. He heals emotions. Yeah. He doesn't just heal broken arms. He heals broken souls. And I believe today that you can experience the healing of Jesus Christ so that you can live in his blessing when that season arrives. Come on, would you just, just bow your heads? And if one of those describe you today, maybe just open your hands. I just feel like I want to wait on the Lord for just a second. I just sense the presence of the Lord. I just believe he wants to heal some specific people. Not, not just a broad prayer. I mean, he sees you in that seat and in this circumstance and in this season. Father, we come to you today and we just honor you. Right now, even as our hands are open, it's just to say, God, we don't know how this works without you. We're desperate for you in every area of our life. And we've lived long enough to see our way doesn't work, and we're just bringing ourselves back to you in this moment. Yes, Lord. I sense the Holy Spirit really today. I, I, early in prayer, I sensed him impressing me that there's a parent here, and you have had a prompting to get involved with your child because that prompting's making you think there's something going on in their, their, their life sexually and you're, you've been concerned but you backed away and, and you just thought, oh, that's nothing. I sense the Holy Spirit saying you need to have a conversation. You need to look through their phone. Listen to me. The enemy always tries to break us sexually when we're young so he yes. doesn't ever have to deal with us in our maturity. And I sense the, 
that, that there's some parents that the Holy Spirit's nudging you to have some conversations. I also sense today that there's a man, you were abused by someone sexually. Listen, and nobody knows. It was years ago. But you have been marked now by anger. When your family responds the wrong way, you're angry. When something goes wrong at the job, you're angry. And it always appears like it's something on the surface. But I hear the voice of the Lord saying that that is a sickness on the surface, but the source of that is that abuse. You felt so defenseless, like no one was there to take up for you, protect you. And I hear the Lord saying that if you'll open that part of your heart to him, he'll heal it. He'll heal it. You don't have to spend the rest of your life angry. I feel also there's maybe some young adults in the room that you've negated yourself from this, from the compassion and the... um, kindness and the drawing of the Holy Spirit today because you have lived under such condemnation and shame and guilt but I want to remind you today that that's not your heavenly father that is your enemy and today God wants to set you free and wipe your past clean and wipe the slate clean because he the scripture says he wipes our sin away as far as the east is from the west So today, he is calling you, he is drawing you, and he wants to heal you, he wants to set you free from your addictions, he wants to change your mind, he wants to give you a fresh start today. So those of, those of, uh, those people, Father, those young adults that you've laid on my heart today, I want to pray for them. And I want to pray, Father, that you set them free from the lies of the enemy, from the binds of the enemy that says they've gone too far, that they've, they've already messed up too much, God. They're, they're not pure anymore, but your blood covers them. The blood of Jesus Christ covers them today and their sins are wiped away and they could have a fresh start in you. In Jesus name, I thank you for the free freedom in Christ. I thank you that they can say yes, Lord, and that they can be saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we pray for every marriage, every marriage. May they go home to to clear, clean, and fresh atmospheres in their home. No more contention. No no more um, unsaid expectations. A fresh wind is blowing through homes. And when people arrive, they'll be marked by peace. Peace. Not, not, not peace because we hadn't talked to each other. Peace because your presence is being restored as they apply this word today. Yes. Lord, we thank you for this church that's investing in the core of homes. And we thank you for, for the children and the, and the great children, grandchildren. They're going to be benefit from healthy homes. Lord, we bless thank them you, today. Jesus. Come on. Hey, if this sermon blessed you and your family, I want to encourage you to be a truth partner. You can do that by simply going to creativechurch.com slash give and partnering with us to help get this message of truth out to more people in our nation and around the world. It is our truth partners that make this a reality. Again, thank you for subscribing to our channel. Thank you for liking today's video. We'll see you back here on the channel real soon.